Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's show. It is June 18th, 2019 and I, in real time, in this real world and on actual June 18th, I'm getting ready to head out the door. Heading up to uh, Sweetwater's Gear Fest to go hang out with Entech and uh, be in their booth. It's a cool little trade show if you never heard of it. Um, it's at sweetwater.com slash gearfest, I think. Uh, if you are not from the U.S., you may not be familiar with Sweetwater, who is a large music instrument vendor, um, and they sell lighting too. And uh, they they hold this trade show every year, and I keep saying the word, ah. Uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's outdoors intense, and you get to see all the latest pro audio music, lighting gear, that they happen to sell, all the manufacturers that they sell come, uh, pretty much, I think, and have a booth. And it's a lot of fun. It's really cool, and uh, they're a cool company, so I'm excited to do that this week. But today on our show, we're going to be answering your questions. I've got about four or five questions in here today, some really good stuff that I'm going to answer here in the heat of summer, and then uh, we'll get rolling on with our days. I know everybody's busy in the summer, especially here in June. It's, It's late June now, so now all schools are probably out and all that stuff, but there's a lot of busyness that happens in that May and June, and I know a lot of us are getting a break from that now. So let's just dive in to the questions. Mike asks, hi, I'm a retired old codger who wants to set up his living room like a disco, at least a little bit. I bought a mirror ball, a motor, and a DMX light, but I don't know whether the light is right for it. I was thinking of something smaller, but the shop didn't have anything else. Here's a picture of my equipment. Oops, I didn't look at the picture. Um, and then he had a couple questions here in follow-up to that as I look up his picture. Uh, one, what DMX controller should I buy? Two, will microphone cables work to hook up this light? And three, what is a good position to set up the light so it strikes the mirror ball? Awesome, Mike. So this is going to be pretty simple. Okay, so it looks like you have something that is uh, similar or perhaps a Chauvet uh, Slimpar 56 or something similar. Actually, I don't think it's the real deal. I think it's a knockoff because the Chauvet version, I think, has an IEC cord and this one has a fixed power cable that's that's permanently plugged in. And so you're wondering if the light is... I guess you got four questions. Um, and so all in all, it, all these answers really depend about what you want to do, okay? Uh, what kind of looks you want to get out of this? It, it seems like you just basically, and I'm probably going to overanalyze this, um, but that's what I do here. But that's what, and so, what you know, what do you want to do with your lights and um, how do you want it to look, basically, is what I'm, what I'm seeing here. And so, The first thing that I'm going to mention is um, the light that you have is I think what's going on is you just want to light up a disco ball, have control over that light in your living room. Okay. And so DMX controller wise, you know, I would stick with something really simple. Like, for example, we'll link to this on on Amazon in the show notes, but the uh, Chauvet Obey 3 and ADJ has one similar. They have an Obey 3 and a 4. Um, just a simple three-channel DMX controller. You can punch up a bunch of different colors. Simple and easy, good to go. Um, so that's my recommendation there. If you're just looking to change the colors on the disco ball, you've got one or two lights. This is the controller for you. 
It's simple. It works well. Um, you're really not going to have any problems there. Now, the light that you have, you currently have what looks like a three-channel LED PAR that will work with the controller I mentioned. Um, it's not a particularly narrow beam, and it's not, it, like you mentioned, it's probably bigger than you need. What you're really looking for is a pin spot. Okay, that's what this is called, and I'm going to link to one, the ADJ Pin Spot LED Quad DMX, and we'll pair that with a Chauvet Obey 4 in the show notes. We'll link both of those um, so that you have those options there. I believe the Obey 4 is a controller. If not, I'll find the next short, closest thing. It might be an Obey 6 or something. Um, but regardless, um, or maybe we'll find the ADJ version. doesn't matter. Either way, what you're looking for is a pin spot. And these are basically lights that have a really tight beam of light, and they change colors if they have uh, the, the different colored LEDs in them. And the whole purpose of a pin spot most of the time in lighting is to light a disco ball or a table, okay? And so that's going to be my, my best recommendation for you is get yourself a good pin spot and get yourself a good basic controller and you'll be good to go. Then you ask, will microphone cables do to hook up the light? Um, truth be told, for DMX, you want to use DMX cable. Now, people ask this all the time, will microphones work, cables work, because it's all three-pin anyways. And, you know, for one light to a controller, there's a good chance it will work properly for you. As you get to have more lights, um, you definitely want to use real DMX cable. But, you know, I'm not going to fault you on this show for wanting to use mic cable to hook up your one light. It should probably work fine. If it doesn't work fine, you need to switch to DMX cable. Okay, Mike? But ultimately, you know, mic cable is one of those things people say, oh, it works, I should use it. And, you know, in the long run, if you're using multiple lights and uh, you're hooking them up with mic cable, you're going to run into problems at some point. But just a single light to a controller, you can probably get away with it and you'll probably never have a problem. If you do, you need to switch to DMX cable. Um, and then what's a good position to set up the light so it strikes the mirror ball? Usually what I like to do is I like to get the light. I'll start with it straight on horizontally to the mirror ball. Okay, so get it on one side of your room. You know, say the mirror ball is hanging in the middle of your room. And then you just literally want to shoot that thing straight at the mirror ball. Um, that'll get you good ceiling coverage, good floor coverage on your mirror ball. Alternatively, you can try if you want a little more floor coverage and a little less ceiling just bringing it down a little so it points up slightly at the mirror ball, but either of those are really going to work well for you, Mike. So we'll have those links in the show notes. I hope that helps. All right, next question. Axel wrote in and said, I'm working on setting up Onyx on my laptop with all the patches and cue lists of my work computer, which is still in MPC. The transition has been flawless, except when I try to set up some fixtures on the 2D viewer. I can't seem to place any fixture. It just gets stuck on the draw line yet. No matter what I do, I can't seem to place my fixtures at all. Awesome, Axel. What I would recommend here with most Onyx um, issues on a PC, um, we got to understand that Onyx is a pretty complex program. It uses graphical resources. It uses um, the system pretty hard. It uses the hard drive pretty hard. And so you want to make sure, first of all, that your Windows is fully up to date, okay? Fully up to date. Then I would go ahead and I would try, try reinstalling the latest version of Onyx. Just see if it helps, you know, reboot in between and you should be good. 
If that does not solve the problem, usually what's going on with these Windows install problems is you've got some kind of something that the maker of your laptop or computer installed, some sort of additional app that's conflicting with Onyx. And it stinks and it's frustrating. And I see it happen a lot. I've seen it happen, you know, over time with all these different makers are always changing what apps, what programs they bundle on their PCs. And so what I would do in that case, just to rule everything else out, is I would back up your computer and then go to Windows 10 to the Update Center and go to Reset My PC. Have it wipe everything and start with a clean slate. And this is actually what I always do for everybody listening. This is what I always do whenever I get a new Windows computer, okay? I always do a full reset of it because that's going to uninstall anything special that the manufacturer um, put on your PC. If for some reason there's something special about your computer that needs a special little driver, you can go and find that and, and figure that out after you uh, reinstall everything. You say, oh, this isn't working. I need the driver. You download just that. Make sure it doesn't cause any conflicts. But more often than not, uh, the various manufacturers of PCs, whether it be Dell, HP, Alienware, whoever, they, Asus, you know, Lenovo, all those guys, they bundle these um, helpful applications, as they say, with the computers. And truth be told, most of the time, they just don't help. They're just frustrating. They cause conflicts and they just aren't needed. So first thing I do whenever I get a computer, and this is likely your issue, is I just go Windows 10, reset my PC. That sets it to a stock Windows configuration, like from Microsoft. So anything that that your OEM, whoever made the computer, um, installs on there, none of that's going to be on there. It's a beautiful thing. And um, hopefully that'll help you. It sounds like you're having some kind of issue maybe with not being updated or something like that, but it could be a conflict too. All right, Whirla writes in and says, Hi there, thanks for answering my last question. I have a quick follow-up. In the video, you make mention of using a DMX splitter, which can make a console take more fixtures than its capacity. I want to know the numbers. For example, a 512 DMX console can take 32 fixtures. Can, with the help splitter, make it, say, take 64? Thank you very much. All right, Whirla. Here's where we're going to get into the math here. So we're really talking about two different things here when we talk about 512 DMX channels and when we talk about 32 fixtures out of a console or out of a splitter, okay? Let's look at these through separate lenses because they are indeed separate things. The first thing where we came from, the 32 fixture limit, is all about how far the DMX signal can run before it gets too weak to keep going. Now, in true actuality, in the real world, that number fluctuates depending on the fixtures. It could be as few as like 16 or 20 fixtures in pretty extreme cases where the signal kind of runs out. Or it could be as long as 40, 50, who knows how many fixtures. There's a lot of engineering things going on here that I don't fully understand. But the truth is, some of these fixtures take up more signal strength than others. It's just the truth. It's just how it is. Um, there's particular offenders in the past. You know, most newer fixtures are better with this than with taking up a lot of DMX signal strength than others. I don't understand how it works. I just know I've observed it. I've watched my students observe it. And that's how it is. Okay. Now, when it comes to the amount of fixtures you can put on a console, that's going to depend on the number of channels you have available. 
So, for example, you're talking about a 512-channel DMX console. If you have one-channel lights that is maybe just an LED light that has just white and it's one channel, you could put 512 of those into your console. Now, you would need a number of splitters to keep the numbers down so that you don't have problems with your signal strength, but you could, on a practical level, put 512 lights on that console. Now, if they're three-channel lights, say they're red, green, blue LEDs, you're only going to get 170 of those within 512 channels. Again, still you'll need splitters to go over 32, uh, you know, or approximate, maybe a little less than that, account for 20. Um, but you can put 170 of those guys on your 512 channels and you'll even have two channels left. As you get into more complex lights, maybe lights that have multiple pixels of red, green, and blue, or maybe moving lights, you'll see channel counts anywhere from, you know, 10, 12, 14 channels all the way up to some moving lights will literally take up like 500 channels or 400 and something or whatever, okay? And so it really depends on those couple factors, okay? There's the splitter. The splitter end of it is really for signal strength, just making sure the signal doesn't go through too many lights because then it's going to run out of steam, or it could. And the number of lights that the console can take is going to be dependent upon the number of channels that it has available. In your case, 512. You can take practically 512 lights, even more if you addressed two of them to the same address. You could do literally an unlimited amount of lights if you address them all to the same address. They wouldn't have individual control, but you can assign two lights to the same DMX address, set them to that same number, and they'll come up at the same time when you send that signal from DMX. Um, the great thing about DMX is that it's simple and it, it tends to be very reliable. And, that, and that's why we use it. So there's a lot of options there, but I hope that really helps you understand a little bit better world of what's going on here. Terry writes in and says, Hi, David. First, I wanted to let you know that your videos and tutorials are outstanding and extremely helpful. I'm struggling to find information on whether LED strips used on stage as individual vertical stands could be controlled wirelessly from DMX's software running through Logic Pro. We have several LED strips connected to vertical stands on stage during a live performance, but do not have to worry about cabling to tether them together and save on setup time. We would like to run all this through our playback rig with DMX's slash Logic Pro. Is this possible and what products will we need to accomplish this? All right. So it sounds like you have an LED strip light that takes DMX directly. We're not talking about um, an LED product tape product here or pixel tape or anything like that, I think. And so what we're asking now is you're saying, okay, I know that I can wire these things up on my stage, these little vertical um, pipes that I've got. And I know I can go out of one, you know, into one, out to the other, out to the other, out to the other, and have no problem um, being able to then control that via my console, via DMXs, okay? But you'd like to run them wirelessly, right? Okay, so all you've got to do, this is simple, is you've just got to get a wireless DMX setup, okay? If you're using the Chauvet stuff, a lot of them have a little USB plugged in and you can use their, um, what do they call it, their DeFi with their USB controllers, and you can plug that in, and they work awesome. 
I usually my DeFi trip tick my DeFi tip and trick that I share with people is that I always run them on the highest channel, which I think is 14, and that keeps you out of the Wi-Fi range generally and works really well. Um, that's a tip that I got from another lighting guy. He showed me how to set that up, and it works amazing, even in really congested environments where the air is really congested with a lot of wireless stuff. Okay? So you want to get some wireless DMX, and I've got an article on Learn Stage Lighting. We'll make sure that we link to it in the post here that walks you through some options. Um, I generally don't recommend the cheap wireless DMX, like there's a brand called Donner and a brand called Chinley, I think, on Amazon that are these little receivers that plug into the end of your lights. And I generally don't recommend them, but, you know, I've talked to some people and we'll link to the Donner ones as well here in the show notes. Um, I generally don't recommend them, but here's the caveat with them. They seem to work for people as long as you keep the distance pretty short, Okay. Uh, where you're going to start to have issues with cheaper products like this is when the distance gets longer between the transmitter and the lights. So maybe you you try out some of these cheaper units and you buy them and you keep them on stage and you just make sure that you have your transmitter coming from um, close by on stage somewhere so that it's not a far distance, okay? That's going to give you the best signal strength, the best option of everything working. I've heard both things from people that have bought the Donner or the, the Chinley stuff on Amazon. I've heard people that say, oh, this is the best thing ever. It works great. It works every time. And then I've heard people say, you know what? It's junk. It, it never works right. Um, and so I think maybe the quality control isn't there. But at the same time, I think it's worth a try as well. Um, certainly, it's you know an up-and-coming brand that's trying to import this stuff. And they're getting better as they go. And so And they're really cheap. And so that's kind of kind of my thought there. We'll link to it in the show notes um, so you can check it out. But that's definitely an option. As for how to set it up, it's just as simple as running DMX to DMXs, okay? So DMXs doesn't know the difference whether you're running it wired or wireless. And then all you're going to do is plug in this transmitter, probably out of a DMX splitter or at the end of your DMX chain, okay? You'll just plug in that transmitter and then pair it with the receivers, however that tends to work with, with the particular model that you buy, and then you're good to go. That's that's all it's going to take. It's really that simple. And um, and so DMX doesn't change anything. You just address the fixtures exactly the same way you would before. Um, and then you set up the wireless, and then the wireless is just going to be like a bridge for that DMX. It just acts just like a cable would, uses it in the exact same way, and uh, will enable you to control that stuff. So we'll be sure to link to the uh, Donner thing as well as that wireless DMX buyer's guide and uh, my article just that has more info about wireless DMX in it for you. So you have that there for you. Awesome. Well, guys, that's it for today's show. Good couple questions. I was really glad to answer them. Uh, glad to kind of be taking a little bit of a break on the summer, really figuring things out here. I know for those of you that listen to the end, you always want to know about things um, and you know, I'm going to be in July, I believe I'm going to launch the Patreon should be July 1st, should be ready to go with that and allow you guys to patronize this show for just a few bucks a month, as well as my YouTube content. That's really what Patreon's going to be for, because, you know, I like to give you guys the inner scoop here and what I've seen so many times that I don't like about this world. And I don't want to do is I've watched different websites come up teaching lighting or audio or, or similar things in music or in production. And 
one of two things seem to happen almost every time. Either they fizzle out because there's no money being made and they people run out of time to do it. Um, because ultimately, you know, we've all got bills to pay. And so um, if this thing doesn't pay me, I it's going to be a free time activity, which, you know, with a, with a family at home and, you know, a volunteer tech director at my church, I don't have that much free time. Uh, or the other thing I've seen is that these type of websites go to a model where they have paid content and courses, and then all of a sudden they kind of stop making new stuff out there uh, that's free. They focus almost all on just doing paid stuff. They don't put out new free stuff. And then, you know, that's great and it's a good business. And I'm all about people joining Warren Stage Lighting Labs and, and paying for that and getting access to even better content and and the best shortcut to, to creating great lighting. You know, I put my my whole heart into learning stage lighting labs, but I know that it's not for everyone. And so I want to make the free content that's out here, the, the podcast, the YouTube, whatever else, the best that free content that it can be. But it takes a lot of time to do that. And so the Patreon's just going to be there. Nothing like a long-winded approach for that. So that you're able to, to pitch in like a tip jar monthly and be able to help fund these things because making the podcast, um, though it doesn't take a ton of my time, I, I do pay an assistant to write up the show notes to upload it to do all of that. The YouTube videos, meanwhile, I shoot and edit those all my own. And, you know, some of the things that I'd like to do, and I think I'll set these up as goals in Patreon, is I'd like to have some extra cash around so that I could go out and buy lights and re- give them my full honest review. As you guys know, sometimes I get lights or gear from manufacturers and I do review that and I'm happy to do that for them and give them a fully honest review. But I'd also like to, especially from some of the bigger manufacturers, it's it's been difficult to get their attention and to, to get them to be like, oh yeah, we'll send you stuff. Um, you know, it seems like with a lot of these bigger manufacturers, and this is just a broad statement, that, you know, they're, they like to, to be in the trade magazines and the traditional media but I don't think they've quite caught on to people with an online presence like me because I impact, I mean, there's 30,000 people come into Learn Stage Lighting each month, 11,000 people subscribed on YouTube, and a lot of people that watch the videos aren't subscribed, and that's typical for YouTube. And then um, thousands of people listening to the podcast as well. I don't remember the number off the top of my head. So, you know, it's a little family business here, but I just, I'm always looking for ways to be able to create the very best stuff for you and be able to do it over the long haul because I want Learn Stage Lighting to be the place to learn about lighting and to grow and to teach people over the long haul. I mean, I'm talking, you know, 20, 30, 40 years till I retire or and then I pass it on to somebody else if we still have websites then. And so I want to keep around the best free content possible. And so, you know, I think this patronage thing is just going to be a really great way to to do that, a really great way to be able to allow you guys to pitch in without the cost of a full learn stage lighting labs and be able to be part of what supports making this new content. Um, I might even send out some stickers to people or um, as, as patrons, I might, you know, definitely I'm going to have mentions at the end of the shows here have opportunities for manufacturers or other people to sponsor shows, to have a commercial per se in the show, but opinions are all my own. And um, just really be able to make this a healthy and vibrant thing so that we can continue making this stuff for a long time. So sound good? Awesome. 
Show notes for this episode, as always, will be found at learnstagelighting.com slash 070. You just look for the, the episode number um, with three digits and you're good to go. And I will see you guys back in two weeks. We'll be answering your questions again, and I can't wait to do that for you. Have a great week. I'll see you. Bye. And that's it for today's show. Thank you for listening to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. Be sure to visit us at LearnStageLighting.com to see show notes, past episodes, and download a free guide on how to begin with lighting in your specific context. I'll see you guys on the site. Thanks. Thanks.